with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Welcome to Mediocre Gay. I'm Kate Dale. And I'm David Ian. So, David, tell me, has anything mediocre happened to you this week? Well, I did take you to Frankie and Benny's so that you could experience that exciting delight. Lost my F&B virginity. You did. How did you, what did you think? Do you know, I'm uh, quite embarrassed to say that I actually really liked it. It's kind of like joyful in its mediocrity, yeah. right? The mac and cheese bites. I mean, it's it's... I think if you just like lean into it, like I was saying, it's shit food, but if you just like lean into the shitness of it, it was good. It was good. And we were tired because we'd been uh, at a festival the night before, so we were tired because it was also live. And there was just something really relaxing and they didn't bother us, except there was there was a waiter. I'm going to say, not bothering is not quite the right. Well, you were very nearly in a, it was quite an experience because it's made me realise, I've told you this before, that when you're as my great age of 52, you forget how old you are. This was absolute affirmation that I am now officially one of those old ladies that waiters flirt with so they can try and pull their younger dining companion, mm. which is what happened. And we have it seems... When you say which is what happened, he didn't pull your younger dining companion. He just wanted to. He, he didn't. That's very important. I had lots of, oh, don't you look glamorous? Don't you look gorgeous? In that really patronising 85-year-old way. I'm surprised yeah. I didn't get around to the You were sat in a sequin jumper. And in Frankie and Benny's. <laughs> in two in the afternoon. <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, but it's, I've realised now that we are now tipping into, it's either Liza and David guest territory. I mean, I should be right, so lucky. That's very uncomfortable. I don't know which one of those I want to be. Or Scylla and Dale Winton, God oh, rest their souls. God. Uh, mm. I mean, they're Awful. both successful and talented. Well, they were successful and talented. Scylla and, da and um, Dale Winton are dead. Yes, but I'm not sure I'm ready to be Scylla Black and I'm not sure I've got the teeth for it. And I am never going to be Dale Winton, so yeah. let's just leave that there. I loved Scylla Black, by the way. Do you know what? Oh, she, no, should have, she should have been my mediocre thing. People hate her. But do you know, before she was going to die, before she died, Sky were in discussions to start a Scylla TV channel. It's wall-to-wall Scylla. Mm. Can you imagine? I'd have been obsessed. I, mean, I suppose it's what Jane MacDonald ended up doing instead on Channel 5, channel isn't 5, it? Channel 5, yeah. Jane McDonald. It turns out I'm slightly into her as well. Oh, no, she's amazing. Ages ago, like 10 years ago, when she was like singing all the time, and that one of my friends, when I lived in Scotland, he made me come to a concert with him, and I did not enjoy the whole thing at all. And then about two months ago, I turned the telly on, and she was doing something in Florida. I don't know, she was milling around. And now I'm slightly obsessed with her on the TV to the point that I went back and I think I told you this, I've been watching Cruise the, like <laughs> the original. 20 years ago on BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, so someone who's really made, obviously she can sing really well and she's got a lovely warm personality. I'm not talking about the singing. No, I, I know, like but somebody's made, um, made an awful lot out of a relatively small TV moment, but really you know beautifully just, worked that and I think that's fantastic. Just in case she ever decides to come on the podcast, I'm going to take, I'm going to take back, I'm not that bothered about the singing. I'm sure she's a great singer wonderful but I, like an interesting person and I really like her presenting style and she's making me want to go to Florida which is not something that you ever thought I'm... her cover of Jai Ho is is seen to be believed what yeah <laughs> yeah okay that was unexpected right I think let's do Jane I think we better in another her. episode yeah okay who's our guest today 
So today we have a fantastic stand-up comedian, um, new on the London scene, had her first one-person, one-woman show one this year. Show. <laughs> and um, so welcome to Mediocre Gay, the podcast with Sheena McCallion. Hello. Hello. I don't know what that little noise I just yeah, made. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that <laughs> little noise. I was at a stand-up game. I, 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 like, I, oh. I enjoyed that little noise. I enjoyed it. I want to be greeted with that every time I interview. <laughs> see what I can do. See what I can do. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you both? Good. We're good. Yeah, I'm Getting a cold is the actual honest answer, but we don't actually mean that, do we? I mean, yes, I'm fine. Thanks for sharing. No, that's a more British answer. Yeah, right. Perfect until I actually affect you. So, on this podcast, we talk about things that are mediocre. So, we like to start by asking our guests to tell us what mediocre means to them as like a definition or a vibe or something like that. I see mediocre as generally equating to average. So, it's just a bit meh. You know when you, if you reply with meh on it, I think meh is the word that sums up mediocre. Now that's interesting because I think of meh as being like not that great and me, and average as being acceptable. Well, it's the, it's the intonation, isn't it? Right. So it's, you can do meh or you can do meh and they're different oh, things. Okay. My housemate does this with the word fine. So he goes to watch a lot of theatre for work and he comes back and we say, how is it? And the answer will always be fine, but it'll either be, it's fine. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And you can tell what he actually means. It's the same word, but the intonation. So mediocre is, yeah, fine, meh, fine. Okay, that's Quite like that, the word quite. Quite yeah. can mean very, or it can mean meh. To be fair, my nan's like that. She was always damning with faint praise. And if she loved something, it would be, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything was sort of all right. You could have smacked her in the face and it would be all right. Now, you see, that's the question. So is it because she was really excited that you'd been smacked in the face or was it because she was really sad well, that you'd been clarity, smacked in the I face? Well, for clarity, I never smacked my grandmother in the face because I loved that's her That's a dearly. good thing to clarify. What is me that we have to clarify Please it, to be to honest? Please to hear it. But um, I don't know. It, but my mum's inherited the same thing, but only since my nan passed away. She was never like it before. And now doing that thing where she becomes my nan, which is great because my nan's fabulous. But she's also now just like that same sort of thing. It's just like everything's just fine. Everything's all right. See, and I don't know whether that's a good, except that everything has to be amazing, wonderful, super fabulous because that's exhausting and is also unrealistic. Or whether, so therefore it's a good thing, or whether it's a sad thing because maybe expectations of what life can often bring are relatively low. So uh, it's okay. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm not getting into your family psychology. Like, yeah. We're unpacking the psyche. <laughs> which is right? possibly unfair. Yeah. Seems unreal, doesn't it? Like, yeah. my poor mum will listen to this. <laughs> Let's be Who is very lovely and <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem to have. Yeah. No. Yeah, good. So. Okay, so um, after possibly unfairly psychoanalyzing your family, David, um, I think we can move on to our next question machine, which is, so tell us something that you think is secretly brilliant, but maybe the rest of the world thinks is mediocre. Coronation strength. Oh my God, we've had EastEnders and now we've got Coronation Street. Is it going to be all the British TV shows? Tell us why. So, everyone slags off Coronation Street, as in the standard of acting isn't very good. The storylines repeat themselves on a cycle. And I think that's one of the best things about it. Coronation Street is a hug in a TV show, right? And it might be the northern bit of me, but wherever I've been, wherever, if I've ever felt homesick, I'll always put Corrie on. Now, as a Yorkshire person, I should go with Emmerdale, but I just think Emmerdale isn't mediocre. I think it's rubbish. Whereas I think Coronation Street, all day long, brilliant. Have you it's an noticed, institution. Have you noticed that we've accidentally launched a TV podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go with it. 
I 100% agree with you. I love Corrie. To be honest, I don't watch it so much anymore, but um, growing up, and I'm from the North as well, in sort of 70s, 80s, 90s, I grew up on a cobbled street. So that identified with that. And the, the women, the female characters, and I know it's famous for it, and Russell T. Davies talks about it, but the power of the writing for the female characters, strong Northern matriarchs, is just phenomenal. But the fact is, right, because I don't watch it regularly now, but I can still... So this week I put Corrie on for the first time since I'd been home at Christmas. And I could still know what was going on, like, and understand it. Is because that because it, it was the same thing that, that was going on But that's what I mean. It has, life. Such, it has such a way that you can just completely dip into it and it'd be like, you're not like, wait, who's that? What's that? What's that? It just explains itself. And all right, yes, that might make it mediocre and it might make, to some people, repetitive and by definition, probably not very good. But it also makes it incredibly comforting and I think there is a power in comfort TV. Absolutely. I think that to write and perform in those, and it is the same with EastEnders, though, I find that grimmer. But then I guess it's maybe it's because, and so one of our previous guests, Jeremy, is from the South, and he talked about EastEnders. It's probably a similar thing of the areas that you connect with and the people who you recognise. But the ability to write for that and perform in that and do basically repeative storylines, because life is repetitive, isn't it? We're born, we fall in and out of love, we die, and other things happen along the way. I mean, that's great. I mean, a lot, a lot of murder if you're in Well, that's true as well, yeah. But I think it is that recognisable thing in the characters, right? Because you've got people who've been in it absolutely, like, yeah, people that are there longer the than my lifespan. Yeah. yeah. So you, you know turn back up and you just favorite, know. One of my favourite things to do, talking about you saying, where you're saying, like, some people have been in there forever. One of my favourite things to do, when it's Christmas and, like, you go home to your parents, my mum watches both EastEnders and Coronation Street. So I do this with both. Like, the whole family end up watching it because she's watching it. And I will just keep interrupting with, because I will know some of the people because they've been there forever, like Ken Barlow yeah, and all yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but then there's like new characters who you don't know who they are and they'll be interactive. So I'll just be like, who's that? Who's that? Why are they doing that? How do they know them? My poor mum. You see, oh I, my God, I your know, poor so mother. Annoying, That's right? so annoying. But I just really want to get into it. Well, so watch I want it. To know. Do, okay. Do your own homework. I have Do a your spoiler. own homework. I have, I have no, a thanks. tip for you. So, and this is a, a bit of a, a confession around my relationship with Coronation Street. So as I said, I don't watch it that much now I'm not living at home. But what I do is every Tuesday, they release preview like photos for the coming week, right? And it gives you like a hint of the storylines. And I read the preview photos because it takes like three minutes to read. And it means I always know what storyline's going on when I do inevitably return to Coronation Street. <laughs> what? But haven't watched it. It's a great so, method of procrastination. Yeah, the York Notes. And so you know, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it is a York, it's the York Notes, honestly. It's oh, like, it, yeah, Cliff Notes, York Notes, That's, that yeah. kind of thing of soaps. I know it's really, really sad, but it, me it means my parents are saved from me asking who everyone is. I know who they all are. I just... In fact, I often know it with a little bit of a cliffhanger on the end because they always put it like, Toya questions, has she killed Imran? Question mark. And I'm like, I don't know, but I know that that question's been posed. Wow. Where will I find these? Uh, Coronation Street's website. But they post it on Facebook. That's where I get it. So obviously when I was uh, 13 and first got Facebook, um, my likes on there were Coronation Street, pop punk, and, and probably musical theatre related things too um, and <laughs> you know what, why unlike so I still get <laughs> updates from Facebook it comes up 
So usually, because they post it exactly at midnight so often, if I can't sleep and I'm doing like a bit of a doom scroll, it'll come up and I'll be like, ah, let's see what's happening like in the comments. That's better than the news because well, the news is just ghastly usually. Well, exactly. So it's like a little fictional doom scroll. What's that one? Jenny Metcalf, she's an actress in it, isn't she? She played, what's the, the ginger haired? Fizz. 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 So my friend, we do like a family holiday. I've got family all over the place. We do like this weekend where we all come together and this year was in Manchester and Jenny Metcalf with her husband owns a restaurant yeah. in Manchester and we went there and now I'm making it sound like she was there but she, she, wasn't. she wasn't but you went there but we went there and we were all very excited about the fact that she was there can I tell you about the best day of my life which is Coronation Street related well I mean it's the best day of my life full stop and it happens to be Coronation Street okay. related we uh these are these studio uh, set tours yes Yes, oh my god, you so know this. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we did that when I was a kid, but mine's not as Did you dress up? No, no. So I went with not. my uh, really lovely good friend Paul, who's even more obsessed with it, and he's really obsessed, and he was massively obsessed with the sort of 60s, 70s, 80s matriarch. So Bet Lynch and Annie Walker and um, Pat Phoenix, his first. <laughs> well, because first... I know where this goes. <laughs> so Elsie Tanner, and so all of those. And so we went to do it and we both dressed up I dressed up as Hilda Ogden so a little dowdy cleaning lady he dressed up I kind of forced him into it because he wasn't going to dress up as Bet but I dragged him around Manchester Primark and made him try things on like a mother with her reluctant school child mm. trying things on and got them all dressed up in leopard print and got the wig and everything and we turned up assuming that everybody Did would that, dress up yeah. no no I, I've done that too I did like when I did it it was just after Tina Metcalf or Tina McIntyre had been killed off been pushed off a balcony and I lay in the spot she had and got a photo. But on the Bet Lynch thing... When, when would that have been, though? 2013? See, like, I went in the late 90s. See, they because they moved. So yeah. it used to be by... You could look out from the Science and Media Museum yeah. and we then did it, it moved when it was in the when I went there. Yeah, it was when they, when they moved, moved but they were about to knock it. Yeah, yeah. it was just, it would be about the same time. Yeah, yeah. It was in the Granada. So, yeah. yeah, that's where I did Because you could also go, and I remember you could present the weather and if you wore green. You yeah, so yeah. I, I did yeah. that one, but then I did the, the, newer, the one. newer one as well, which was, to be fair, quite good fun. Me and my mum did it. There's a really cute photo of us pulling a pint in the Rovers. I've got in, On Bet Lynch, for no apparent reason, my dad is called Bet Lynch in our family group chat. And, well, there is a reason. For no so apparent I, reason, that <laughs> seems that's unlikely. That I was thinking about that, right. So I changed, so he got these, he ordered some new glasses online and they came in a leopard print case with a pink trim. <laughs> and so I was like, wait, it's Bet Lynch. And then got drunk and decided to change his name in the family group chat. But my mum and brother hadn't been party to the conversation no around that. And I don't think, I mean, this may be their awakening of why... Well, my dad is still Bet Lynch. She was a style icon. I do have a little mm. leopard print and it's down to her. But the second part of my story is a ridiculous, but it's all ridiculous. So we turned up, we dressed up, we got lots of attention. So I was in seventh heaven, Which obviously. People were taking pictures and we stood outside the Rovers and lots of people were taking pictures. And we were there for, so our tour kind of went through and then we stayed, <laughs> we stayed on. Lots of people taking pictures and then somebody, and they're doing that, oh, do you mind? We're like, oh, no, that's fine, that's fine. They'd come and say, do you mind? And we're like, oh, no, that's fine. And got in position and we said, no, can you move, please? <laughs> It's the story of your life, isn't it? I know. It turns out it wasn't all about me. Oh, imagine. Devastated. And when I think of um, Coronation Street, it does make me think of that guy. Look, I don't know anybody's name or anything. He had, like, the black glasses with the sellotape, like a bit of tape around them. That was kind Jack of... Duckworth. Jack Duckworth. Jack Duckworth. Oh, yeah. I really... If I ever get a pair of dogs or a pair of cats... You're going to call them Jack They're going to be Jack and Vera. And Vera. Oh. 
I've decided. I do remember when one of them died, when the other one came back. Yeah, like yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when Jack died. When Jack yeah, died, Vera. honestly, it broke my heart. Yeah. It's cute, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did see but that. But big that fan of cute. Jack and Vera. Big fan of Jack. And that cladding on oh, their yeah. house. Yeah. Are those actors still alive? No, they're dead. <laughs> Both of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Vera died quite a while ago because that was... And then I, I think Jack, the guy Jack. who played Jack died a few years ago. Oh, I think I might sad, be misremembering it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm. But yeah. Is Gail still in it? Yes. Oh, yeah. She likes olives. She, Have you seen that? She that likes clip. There was a good where she goes, I like olives. And it became a meme. <laughs> and I love it so much. It's just the best thing. <laughs> it's just a clip. I go, I like olives. I don't understand how she's still alive. She's been so murder adjacent over the I years. Mean, that there's a lot of characters in that that have been very murder adjacent. Never underestimate strong northern women. Maybe this might be why I like it because it makes me feel slightly better about my own life. Why is your life <laughs> like, very murder adjacent? Well, that's what I mean. It's not. So it makes you feel better, yeah, right? Because you're like, well, at least I'm not Gail. Like, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> like, who's the other one that they go hat Sally? Oh, oh Sally. Live for Sally. She's still in it? Yeah. Yeah, she, she's still in it. She was on Dancing on Ice last year. Do you know year. what? My mum is going to be watching this, or listening, watching, whatever, just being like, this is like Christmas, where he's like, is he still in it? Who's that? That's what I'm doing now. So. Me and your mum need to chat. I, yeah. I think <laughs> so. we might have to do a split-off podcast with David's mum, actually. I'd, I'd just... like that. And I come. <laughs> and it'd be me and David. We could call it Mediocre Sun, the podcast. <laughs> we just trash you. Oh, God. You okay. see, you'd like that, because attention, but on the other hand, mm, mm. mixed anyway. feelings. Anyway. I think that's quite a good... I don't question that it is very definitely not mediocre, but I get but people think it is, and I think people take it for granted, and I don't think they appreciate the quality of the writing and the performance and the production and how hard it is to sustain that throughout. But I also think there's a power in the mediocrity yeah. of it. Well, like, that's I the think thing, there is a purpose to mediocre TV, right? Like when you're feeling a bit crap, you don't have the attention span for something that's like stellar production. You want something that is media you don't want to watch something bad also the thing is but... that nobody really like so as an actor God. <laughs> but like it's really like those kinds of shows are really important for training actors yeah. in like being on set all the time and there's a lot of actors that go from in particular something like Hollyoaks like onto much bigger things because of the discipline that it ends up teaching them because they're knocking these things out consistently they're learning lines and you know turn it around really quickly but I also think that soaps are much more important than we think they are because they do um like they tackle really important yeah. subjects in a really comfortable mm. environment for people you know like jeremy mentioned before like the gay kiss but also they'll do things like i remember hollyoaks when i was a kid did male rape mm -hmm. um they do eating disorders they do all like loads and loads and loads of different things that are for a lot of people will be the first time that they've seen those Yeah, I do think it's topics. got a lot so of, of power in it, yeah, yeah, of storytelling. Yeah, I think probably they're only seen as a bit more mediocre now because with the way that, like, when EastEnders and Coronation Street started, there was far fewer channels, there was much less selection, far fewer options now, so they have bigger viewing figures. Now they have much lower viewing I mean, figures. And if you think about so, it, if you've got something that's on, like, four times a week, you can't have every episode being explosive. No. Yeah. If it's a four-part drama, you yeah. can. Yeah. So yeah, it would get a bit, yeah, a bit old. Much. Yeah, if you had tram crash yeah. every. It's snobbery as well, isn't it? Because it's it's working class people usually in these things. It's every day. It's the joyfully mundane, and that's what most people's lives are. We have most of our lives are 
lots of mundanity, joyful, happy mundanity, hopefully. But then you, know, you do have big spikes and big moments. Yeah. But that it reflects that. But I think it's that's another way of popular culture. And I think people as well. enjoy moaning about it. Yeah, I think yeah. People actually get too. pleasure yeah. from moaning about it, like going. Oh, this is crap, but they've still watched it to know yeah, it's to crap. Know. Yeah. I mean, the, the comparison between British soap operas and American soap operas with that, and I think it really suits that British temperament of yeah. turned out nice again or moaning or something like Yeah. I'm I sure I read or saw when they extended the like the set, didn't they put a Costa coffee or something? The, yeah, there's a Costa and there's a co-op, and the yeah. world went absolutely batshit. Like we people lost their shit over that. I don't do think it's quite jarring. It's quite jarring, yeah. but also like quite realistic. Yeah, though. it's and also let's be honest. I was just gonna say clearly Costa and Co-op paid for it, so yeah. you know. Fair and enough. also, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's yeah. that's but my it, big like, point of it. That people seem to get so worked <coughs> up about these little details, and it's like. But it's like a realistic situation. Yeah, isn't there's it? a Costa on every street. Yeah, they are replacing all the little, like the little shops, aren't yeah. they? Okay, so that, I guess, leaves me to ask you, what is mediocre about you? That's quite a big question mm. for me. So mediocre, as I said, I see mediocre and average as quite similar things. And I think that's something I've always been quite frightened of. So I spent quite a lot of time um, in hospital uh, with anorexia and I remember in my first um therapy session as an inpatient being asked about myself and one of the sentences that I said was the idea of being average utterly terrifies me and so mediocre for me is something that I think I've always felt that I as a person was mediocre and that was something I was so desperate to change and I think one of the kind of great things I've grown into is accepting that there is absolutely nothing wrong with being mediocre and that you don't have to strive to be something extraordinary. Like, I think that that for me, because, you know, I was always like, I was a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, I'd put it probably. Like, I did sport quite well. I did drama quite well. I did music quite well. But I always felt, because I wasn't, like, exceptional at them, that that meant that I, as a person, was mediocre and needed to find something that I could be outstanding at, whereas kind of accepting that it's all right to just be all right was a real learning for me and something I still am working on. Yeah, as and we're just that, you know, fairly near the beginning of doing this podcast season series, but one thing that is really striking out to me is is absolutely that point that people come into terms with the idea it's okay to be mediocre. But the more we talk to people and hear individual stories, the more I realise that there's no such thing as a mediocre person because there is so much going on and there's so much that everyone's dealing with and processing and thinking and, and juggling and, and brilliant things that they're doing as well that I possibly destroyed the very purpose of this podcast, which is not very helpful in terms of us building longevity, David. But... Um, I'm, I'm more concerned about my show. Hey? <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> mediocre. No, but I think it, it's it's that thing, isn't it? That we're not we're not mediocre as people yeah. because it's it's that really horrible cliche thing of there's only one of us, but it's yeah. true. We're, we're all really, really great at being who we are. But when it comes to fit like a thing, I think I I think things in boxes too much, and and I know that. So for me, growing up, my brother was a musician, brilliant musician. And it was Patrick was the musician. 
Roisin does a bit of everything. And I was like, oh, that means I don't have a box. What's going to be my box? What's going to be my box? And in the end, my head transformed that into be really, really good at not eating. Be really, really good at being the skinny one. Be really, really good at that. And that was such a, a thing for me that, that I couldn't accept that you could just be like good, mediocre at things and that that was all right and that that was enough, um, which it is. But then the other section for me, the first, there were kind of two stages, I guess, in my journey with that, the word mediocre. And I think they're very separate things. The first is accepting that I was actually quite good at some things and not mediocre, you know. I was, I had good qualities. But then the other was that it was okay to do stuff and not be great at it. And that one has taken a lot longer. And I think he's only really in the past few years, I've kind of given myself that room to do things that I'm not great at. Um, so I think it's like that dual journey, isn't it? Yeah. Of the, accepting this, some stuff that you are good at and you were just being a bit mean to yourself. Then the other side, accepting you're allowed to do stuff and just be just all right, eh? and it not you know you're not going to be the next what like pro superstar in it that you can do it, you can have a laugh, and and at the end of the day, that's okay. I think when you see like little kids and they'll sing and they'll dance and they'll run and they'll whatever it is that floats their boat, kick balls or not kick balls, but whatever, and they'll just play without any self-consciousness, but it's as that self-consciousness comes in and we stop doing things that bring us joy because we don't think we're good enough. And I think, I, yeah, I've been through a similar journey. It's taken me a long, long, long time to get the point. Actually, just doing things, there's a joy in doing things badly and allowing yourself to do it. And I started doing dance classes uh, three, four years ago and I'm truly terrible. David has seen it and he will absolutely, he's nodding. For one of the worst dancers I've ever seen. He's the other one he's seen. I'm the, yeah, like, <laughs> no, honestly, as she was saying No, it's not true. No, as she was saying it, I was like, one of the things that we did meet at dance classes and there's there's a there's a beginner's level and an advanced level and loads of my friends have moved up to the advanced level and a lot of them are like oh you know come it'll be fine and I'm like I actually not only do I not think I'm good enough but I have no desire I'm just perfectly happy I'm really there for the social side I don't want all the pressure that goes with that I'm I'm really just leaning into and, the media and, and that's the thing it. right so for me again so I did a lot of sport growing up both my parents performed at quite a high level in sport themselves. They met at PE college. Um, and I, I was a, a good athlete and then I got injured and then I got anorexia, which meant I had to do, take like eight years off doing any sport, which had been a massive part of my life. Um, but this year I, I kind of got the all clear to go back to doing some sport and I went back to playing football, which I'd not done in ages. And I, having not played football for like 10 years, you're a bit crap. And still, I mean, I've got better, but I am never going to be the best player on my football team, ever. But I absolutely love it. And for me, that has been the biggest bit of growth for me, has been taking something, and previously, as well as having been known for being good at sport, and I ran at quite a high level, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, I was so embarrassed to do the, of the idea of going back to sport and not being good because I'd been out for so long because I'd been ill, when actually going back has brought me the most the most joy that I can imagine. Like, my football team's become my social life. You know, I look forward to training. It's, it's become a real important part of my life. 
And that's only possible by accepting that it's all right to be mediocre, which is not a place I think I would have been in a few years ago. I think it's amazing. I mean, one of the things I say in my show is the reaction that I get to the name of the show is always focused on the word mediocre. So many people come up to me and are like, I, I feel mediocre or that's me. I'm mediocre. And, and when you look at them, you're like, well, so I think everybody has an element of that. And just listening to it, I find it, it's so bizarre because I don't think that you're even remotely mediocre. I mean, you're, a, you're an amazing comedian. You had a sellout show at the Camden Fringe. You've got an incredible sense of style, like loads of things that I would be like, you know, she's absolutely crushing it. And then yet again, you sit in front of somebody and hear them be like, oh yeah, I feel mediocre. It just amazes me because the, my whole show came about from the fact that I felt like I was the well, only one. And that's one. the same, right? Because you've got a show that's mediocre gay. Yeah, we don't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm tired yeah. of people doing but, that, no. so we don't do that. <laughs> but, uh, no, but think about it. You're saying that about me when I would turn around and say the same about you. And I think that's something that's very, very What, you powerful. think I'm smashing the fashion? You're smashing everything. Bit. Imagine that. I'm so Smashing it. But like as a comic, you know, you're brilliant. You, you're getting, you, you're doing absolutely brilliantly. And the way you talk and, and, you know, as a person to be around. And I would say that the fact you see yourself as mediocre is the same way, right? And I think most people do see themselves as like, I guess it's that thing of ordinary, isn't it? Yeah. But that's the thing that you mentioned before. It's, it's the how you perceive you, not necessarily how other people yeah. perceive you. And we you, never know it? how others perceive right. us. And that's the thing that you can try and manipulate it all you want, but you're actually never, ever going to be able to do that at all. And I'd love to get to that place and my therapist tries to help me get to that place of where you don't need that external validation because it's enough for you to know. And you but but we all do comedy instead. But we all do comedy instead, yeah. yeah. We, we I mean, seek validation from straight. But you say that, but you are a walking example. Like, you really lean into who you are. <laughs> Bad old lady. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have any alternative. I don't know how to be anything else. But that is something that I think comes with... Like, that's hard-won experience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And it is. I so mean, you're much closer to that, I think, probably than we are. Like, I'm like you. I am still really struggle with things that I'm not that great at. But you... And I also, like... So I've got, I've, I've got a tote bag with the branding of Mediocre Gay on it. And some days I'm absolutely fine walking down the road with it. And other days I'll get on the tube and I will turn it around. But it's just the blank side because I can't lean into who I am that much. But you... Never shy away from who you are. That's what I think is inspirational. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much one one note, Kate. I don't have levels. So, I mean, but there's stuff going on inside, obviously, sometimes about how I feel. But I don't, I, I really have just had one performance, I think. But also, I'm older, so I've just, and it sounds really patronising, but I've just, you do get to a plate of, I think I said this in the last one, giving fewer facts because you've just been there, done that. I also think, and this gets into a whole other topic that we probably don't have time for, but Michelle, we're going to have to have you back. Um, I feel I'm going to say this about all our guests because it's, it's just so fascinating. But I didn't realise that I was queer until three, three years ago. So although I always felt different, I didn't grow up with feeling othered. And I don't know, Machine, and this is yeah. like I'm getting the whole thing. I think there is something in that as well. I know, David, from what you talk about, growing up, knowing or feeling that you were yeah. so, so different. I think you've had a very different journey already. One of, the, one, of the di one of the things that I think makes it very hard to be not good at things is the best little boy in the world syndrome where you're desperately trying like you're trying to make up for the, well, all the shit that's wrong with you and, and i think that was a little bit with me was that i was in in hindsight i always used to say jack of all trades master of none but i was realistically as a kid quite good at lots of things and 
quite good at lots of things for most people would have been enough. For me, it was terrifying because it meant I didn't have a brand. And I think that, you know, what you were saying to Kate there, again, is really interesting to me because a lot of people say to, like, say to me, they're like, how do you not give a shit? Like my cousin once said to me, it was the most like backhanded compliment in the world. She was like, I wish I was as brave to dress like you do. And I was like, it's not brave. It's, it, that's not a compliment, is it? I'm just, that's, that's a bit. Oh, it's a bold look you've got. <laughs> the thing choice. is, I think sometimes for me, people think that I can lean into it completely. I'm putting on this exterior of confidence doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that you've got it behind you. Yeah. I think it's a bit fake until you make it. And I, I've always been, a lot of my stuff's come from, I have a massive mouth. I can't shut up. If I don't think something is fair or right, I'll say it. I'll have a big argument with someone and then I'll go home and worry about it for the next two weeks. And that's the bit that people don't get is that even if you have this external I was like, I wish I could stand yeah. up for myself like you yeah. do. And it's like, well, I can stand up for myself, but you don't know yeah, what's then going the on processing-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's and, a journey to accepting mediocrity, isn't it? And how, and if you don't mind us asking, because you've been, thank you for being so honest yeah, and open, no, 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 um, but how are you now, are you? Um, so I still work with mental health services. I've been out of hospital for five years now, which was a point that I... At one point, I was a revolving door patient. I would go in for six months, out for six months, in for six months, out for six months. But I have now been out of hospital for five years, which is great. Um, still struggle, but I'm do managing it in the community. And comedy has been a really good thing for me in in helping myself get through. You know, um, I actually started doing comedy on a research project that was looking at can you use stand up comedy to help people with eating disorders. That was how I got into it um, with a guy called Dave Chawner, whose work is brilliant. If you've not seen it, please do go watch him. Uh, but yeah, and, and I use my my comedy to help me now and I'll get there. I, I still genuinely believe I'll get there. But yeah, it's a slog. Mm. It's a slog. We will as well make sure that we share, if that's the case, so links to that. And yeah. if there's any um, uh, charities or support networks yeah, yeah, that has affected anybody, then we'll make sure we've got links below this so that people can get help they need i know i sound like a radio four documentary yeah, i'm just thinking about the work you're giving me because it's me that i can do it um i can say i can do it anyway yeah. uh but yeah but i think it's important that this has affected anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. they know where to Absolutely. go and where to help thank you for being so open no, no worries. that was really interesting so where can we catch you what do you want to promote so i am taking my show keeping up appearances to Brighton Comedy Fringe. So that's the 21st of October. Amazing. Two, three days after me. I'm yeah, I know. I was wishing we'd been well. put on the yeah, same me, day, but here. So you can come and see me on the 18th and then you're on the 21st. Yeah, if anyone wants a little trip to Brighton, come and come and see all the mediocre gays. Um, so that's going on. Um, and then I'll be popping up around the, the circuit as usual. Um, where so, can we find you online? So I made a website this week. That's exciting. Amazing. So Roisin or um, on Instagram, I am Roisin McCallion Comedy, Excellent. if you can spell that. Do you want to spell it out, go on? It's like Raisin, but with an O. R-O-I-S-I-N. <laughs> we'll put it in notes. <laughs> that was really great. Thank you Brilliant. very Thank you much. Thank you for having me. So my name's David Ian. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. David Ian. And I'm Kate Dale, and you can find me on Insta at Katie S. Dale. And we will see you all soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod. Or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.